Welcome to Where We Land, a podcast that explores the relationship between Christ, culture, and the church. Hello, everyone. This is Aaron Mansfield, and today I'm joined here in the studio with my co-host, Stephen Vaughn. Hello, everyone. And Morgan McClure. Hey, what's up, everybody? And we're just excited to be with you today, and we have been in a season talking about what is the church, and uh, today we're going to specifically be talking about worship. And so we hope that you'll join us here for the complete discussion this morning. It's good to see you all this morning and uh, to be already jumping into this week and everything that's been happening. Y'all been doing all right? Yeah, I am loving this fall weather and the leaves are changing. Like this morning, I drove like 40 miles an hour or less to get here because I was like, this is so beautiful. I got to take it in. (laughs) Yeah. You only drove 40? That's I won't say how fast I typically drive. That's crazy slow for you. Yeah, it's been good. Morgan and her lead foot. Yeah, it's and, true. Uh, I you know you never want to get in front of Morgan. Actually, I shouldn't say anything because I. Yeah, uh, you that's fair. Too. I, yeah, I that's say fair. this is all going to come back to haunt me here on the podcast. <laughs> that's fair. The uh, yeah no, it, hasn't it been beautiful recently? I mean, just the mm-hmm. leaves. I think this week's going to be like peak week for us here. They're going to start week. dropping probably by the end of the week. They say so. Well, yeah. they already are dropping, but they say like they're really going to start pouring down here at the end of this week, possibly. So. So beautiful. Yeah. It's gorgeous. It is really gorgeous. We're going on a camp out with the teens this weekend, and I'm excited because it'll probably, there'll still be some. I was it's afraid. It's so cold. Yeah. <laughs> it's not going to be that bad. It's only going to be 44. It's going to be a little mushy. I don't, I don't think Steven realizes how Everybody's cold like 44, 44 is. I go hunting when it's 17 and I sit there for eight hours. Wow. And so, I mean, if I can stay warm sitting there for eight hours, but we can stay warm sleeping for eight hours. We're talking about a seasoned hunter versus a bunch of teenagers but, but who've again, been inside since again, March. So. Again, if they do. <laughs> What I, if they do what I ask of them and yeah, they bring so what they're supposed to, they will be warm. They're yeah. all going to be huddled around the fire that night. Like nobody's yeah. going. Well, and I feel like the ground's going to be really squishy because no. it's been raining so much. It'll dry out by then. No. That's three days. Yeah. It'll dry out by then. That's true. You're That's worrying, true. man. Guys, so yeah. I had this monumental <laughs> thing happen in my life as of this week. And yeah. that is I have switched to going completely paperless. Like completely paperless. Yes. So yes. you don't even like. Yeah, I realize not even handwrite like in a journal I'm try- anymore? No, I'm trying to write everything on so my iPad. you don't have a iPad. day planner? I've put it on my iPad. That like, is totally I've, crazy I've, to me. I've, I've, I want to see how long this goes I, because you, you're, you I and I it. are the weird generation because we bridge. And so it. like we it. can go either way. So I'm interested to see if this is a lasting I'm, I'm a little nervous, change. but I realize that if I carry around a paper planner that I just begin to accumulate paper. And before long, I feel like I need to haul around a filing true. cabinet. You were just at the and point where you needed to be I one just, or the other. I can't. I just can't. So I've realized like there's these awesome apps now that you can like, if someone hands you a piece of paper, you can just take a um, like a um, snapshot of it, a snapshot, or like or you can like scan, a, it. scan it. You With can do that camera. Scan it into your thing and you can begin do that in to notes. use. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Genius Scan does it. No, this app. I think it's called Good Notes. Do you ever use that? It's like Good Notes or OneNote. Like both of them I kind like of do OneNote. some of the same thing. But like, I'm a little biased. I, I realized this week I have I have jumped completely into both a paperless feet. life, and we're going to see if this. 
Dude, this way to be man. Up. Good I, for you. I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm trying. No I'm longer. Trying. What was that you said? No longer limping no, I'm between. I'm no longer <laughs> limping between, you know, two different opinions. You hey, know? man. <laughs> and, uh, hey, man. <laughs> and uh, that's how I feel. So I'll, I'll let you guys know how it goes. We'll, we'll see. Yeah, and I'm going to. Please don't give me any paper. <laughs> I'm going to be hard-pressed to keep you accountable. If I see paper, I'm going to be like, Aaron, that's scan right. that. That's right. Scan put it that. In your throw it away. Scan it and throw it in the trash. <laughs> so, so but then what happens if you, like, your iPad, you know, has a technological let's, breakdown let's, or you Morgan, drop let's it. Let's not or... talk about that right now. I, I, I don't yeah, know. That is there, a... there is the cloud and I trust the cloud, the cloud and I don't even know what the cloud does, mm. but that's, that's where all of my trust in my paperless planning is, is going. Is trusting the cloud kind of like trusting like in like <sighs> conspiracy theory? Cause I mean, we don't really understand it. Does what, it actually what do? The cloud? Yeah, I like, know. Does it actually work? Like, is it in an actual place somewhere? <laughs> is it just like this mega database floating above I feel our like heads? It's, talking, it's like talking about like the CIA or something like that. Because you don't just know about it. Like, like... Really well, I do. You said CIA. I have to say one more thing really quick. So my sister, she's, you know, she teaches all these kids who don't really like have never met me as her twin. So she's just told them like, yeah, I have a twin. But her class is convinced that it's actually like there's there's like a I'm I'm part of the CIA and I'm a spy. And I don't know why they thought about this, but it's hilarious. And they say that ev- she says that every time she wears contacts instead of glasses to school to teach, her kids are all like, it's the twin. It's the CIA coming to spy on us. <laughs> like, anyway, I just think that's a funny story. So, I you love know, it. that's actually kind of a really good segue into what we're talking about today, because um, just like they don't know much about you, but you're kind of like this um, nebulous thought, right, to them. Uh, worship is kind of a nebulous thing in the church today. Wouldn't you say like people talk about it a lot? But if you go to different places, they're going to have 50 different ideas of what worship is. Wouldn't you say that it's kind of like a nebulous thing today, like a worship pastor, Mm -hmm. a worship leader? And like we instantly tie worship to like titles or we think of praise and worship time. But. I think there's a lot of misconceptions yeah. today about what is true worship. Well, Why don't we dive familiar, into some of those yeah. misconceptions? Because it's kind of like this nebulous thing. So, like, I think Morgan, it's such a familiar term that yeah. it is. It becomes yeah, so nebulous, like right. the cloud. I mean, everybody's familiar with it, but what is it really? Hmm. What do you think is like one of the biggest misconceptions of worship that you just think of off the cuff? Worship is like singing. In yeah, a, in a concert, you know, <laughs> that's like a, a classic. Worship <laughs> is synonymous with music. Yeah, and it's so, always music. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, I think it's a big one because, but we talk about it, right? I mean, even in like in a service, we'll say, "Man, that was a great time of worship." And what mm-hmm. often people mean is, "Well, that was great singing,", singing. Uh-huh. which it and, is part of worship, right. but we we make them synonymous. Or even like what you were saying, like a, a church calls a uh, a worship pastor, and so it's like, "Well, what does the worship pastor do?" Well, often the worship pastor is leading the music. Mm-hmm. He's leading the church in in singing, mm-hmm. and I know. There's more than that, but oftentimes I think that is true that it, those two terms get so uh, made synonymous when they're not. Yeah, I thought of a couple of while well, I was just sitting around this week, and I thought of one like in a from a non-Christian perspective of talking about like if somebody you were just to talk about worship and the idea of like well I need to find myself in order to worship this aura, you know, so mm-hmm. I need to go and sit somewhere and I just have to find myself and then I can worship whatever it is that I'm supposed to worship. I thought in the church of one that is really common, I need to have the feeling. Yeah. Quote unquote, the feeling, right? And I can't tell you how many people, and Aaron, you know that it's true, like out visiting and stuff, people will just be like, well, I just didn't have the feeling at that church. So I went somewhere else. And it's like, okay, well, what do you mean by the feeling? <laughs> they like that is... chasing like a, like the, 
the mode, the worship mode. Yeah, it's like a subjective thing. And it's like, well, if I have the feeling, then that means I'm I get worshiping. Positive, positive, I get positive, positive vibes. vibes. <laughs> I, yeah, I think mm, I get positive yeah. vibes. You know, I think when we think about though, you know, worship is, is, is when people say that it's based on our experience, you know, I, I think then it's so, it's so subjective because mm-hmm. it's completely based off how you felt uh, on a certain day or yeah. in a certain service. And if you didn't feel a certain way, then you're like, well, I never really worshiped. And I think that that is really bad because it it can it can lead us to this type of really emotional walk with Christ or understand, you know, some this is be honest, like we wake up on some mornings and we just don't feel great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that doesn't mean the the word of God doesn't call us to worship him in those moments, you know, even in the midst of sorrow and loss. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I would agree with that. I think there's a big misconception today that private worship and corporate worship are mm-hmm. basically the same thing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think it's what probably has led in the day that we are in that people can say, well, well I don't want to be a part of the church or I'm not going to gather with the church. I can, I can worship the Lord on my own. I think what, what, where that's coming from is this a complete ignorance of what worship is, specifically what yeah. is corporate worship uh, in the life of a church. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. um, there is private worship, but there's also corporate worship all throughout the Bible. And they both, they are not synonymous, but they do run together. They're parallel with one another because they are part of life, but they are separate. Mm-hmm. I think one of the biggest ones too is is when we come together as a church um, for worship. You know, it's like people went to the ten thirty worship service, yep. right? Yep. And so they <laughs> attended the worship, and we've made worship into something that we do rather than something that we are. Something that mm-hmm. it's, it's part of our being. Uh, you know, I think about Romans uh, when Paul admonished the church, he said to present your body a living mm-hmm. sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Right, so. You know, it, that's something that's something that we are. It's yeah. it's it's not just something we do. So I think the way that we got all those misconceptions really comes from <laughs> how we've gotten uh, lost with you know what is worship and really that's who right. is it about because yeah. it, we've gotten those misconstrued. So that leads to all these misconceptions. Well, we yeah. Well, really even know. in Romans twelve, the verse that was just quoted, if you read in verse one of Romans twelve, it says therefore. And he's referencing when he says, therefore, the mercies of God and also an argument that he had continued in the end part of 11 about God's greatness, who has given God anything, Mm -hmm. who's ever counseled God. So it all stems from the greatness of God. Our worship is directed at um, God for who he Mm -hmm. is. Worship is not about us. And I think one of the biggest problems with all the misconceptions that we stated was that it creates a consumerism, our lack of understanding of worship creates this consumerism because we say, well, right. based on what I think worship is, I'm going to go and find, quote unquote, worship that most easily connects to me, right? right? The experience part. And so then you have people hopping from place to place and they want to find the worship that they're gives just, them the feeling or that's good. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, that's it's right. a big problem. It, it's a really big problem in our church landscape right. today. Because I think we would first need to affirm that worship is first and foremost what I know. And, and that knowledge of God leads mm-hmm. me into a, a response um, to him. You know, so I think, you know, today as we're talking about worship on the podcast, I think what we want to do is begin 
by maybe talking about, okay, what is worship in its essence? This, mm-hmm. you know, just in, in the core of, of, of what worship is, can we, can we define that? How, how does the Bible define a worship? Uh, you know, how, how, how is the word worship used in scripture? And then let's see then how does that get worked out into more public settings uh, or more public expressions mm-hmm. of worship and things that often we would probably first go to and say, oh, that's worship. But let's first, I think let's first go to the scripture and see, well, how is the worship word worship uh, used? Um, it's used in the Old Testament, and it's used in the New Testament. Um, anything right off the top of your head that just uh, you think about as, as how it's defined in the Bible? I think um, one of the first things that comes to my mind is in Psalm 34, when it says, like, oh, magnify the Lord with me, let's exalt his name together. Um, and that you know, magnifying the Lord is just the biggest biblical phrase that comes to my mind when I think of a worship descriptor. Yeah. I, when, when you go to scripture, I think of how the Bible takes heart, how your heart is as a human. So your heart position and connects it to worship. Um, all throughout scripture, worship is from the heart, right? right. That affects right. your actions. And I think even back in like the beginning, right back in Genesis, me and my well, wife were talking about this the other week of Cain actually did sacrifice, but his heart was wrong. Mm -hmm. He didn't do exactly what the Lord had told him. He wanted to do what he wanted to do and he did it, but he actually did sacrifice, you know, like he actually did quote unquote worship, but he did it from a wrong position of his heart and disobeyed would have been told of him. And I just think all throughout scripture, you see this connection of heart and worship, heart mm-hmm. and worship. Yeah, right. Cause we want to go to the, what is that in its essence? or you know, the heart of worship, mm-hmm. because that's what Jesus confronted the religious leaders about mm-hmm. in Matthew 15. He says, this people honors me with their lips, uh, but their heart is far from me yeah. in vain. Do they worship me? And you know, when we think about worship in the Bible, in the old Testament, you know, the word literally in Hebrew is this idea of to fall or to prostrate yourself before somebody it's 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 just this idea of bowing it's this idea of humility and this picture of 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 service i mean you're putting mm-hmm. yourself you're worshiping this person this one and and it's um and it's this it's just this image of 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 bowing down before somebody and then the new testament there's a couple words that you know describe worship but one of them would be you know in john 4 it's this idea of adoration mm-hmm. um and then you know another word would be you know kind of paying homage to something and 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 both of those words all really all of those words either in hebrew and greek all of them are pointing to the fact that the person or the thing that you're worshiping is worth more mm-hmm. than you. Worthship. Yeah. Yeah. Worthship. Yeah. We talked about that earlier, did, I think, on in the season one. Somewhere. Yeah. And it, what you're implying by, by worshiping is saying that this one, this thing is worth more and, and I'm worth less. And so, you know, when Jesus tells the religious leaders that this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me, um, Jesus is actually saying that you could actually experience publicly act as if you are worshiping. And the fact is your heart is as far from that as possible, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so based on what you're saying and what scripture says, I think we can come to a conclusion that worship is not just private and it's not just corporate. Worship is a lifestyle. Mm -hmm. It's a position of the heart that I am living and I do worship privately. I do worship corporately. Yes. But worship is bigger than either one of those things could ever be. Mm -hmm. And it's a, it's a lifestyle of someone who is giving worth to God. And so it's, 
it's someone who has a relationship with him. You can't give correct worth to God if you don't have a relationship with him. I mean, because the, yeah. the staggering thing is that somebody could come into a service and be a part of a worship service and they could do, you know, they could go to as many of those services and sing a bunch of songs and be involved in all the aspects of the day and actually not truly be worshiping. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like all of those things are external. Yeah. And I think that's especially true if our idea of worship is a Sunday morning, Sunday, wow, it's sounded really Sunday. country there. Um, a, a Sunday morning worship service that lasts, you know, maybe an hour. And if that's the culminating point of, you know, that's all their worship is, then right. of course it's not going to be a lifestyle, a living sacrifice. And I, um, one of the most striking verses that I, um, unfortunately I don't know the reference right off the top of my head, but um, where it's it like God is talking to his people and he's saying, um, isn't it written like that? I desire mercy and not sa- not sacrifice. So going through the motions, God doesn't want us to just go through the motions of worship. He wants our heart to be there. It's it is. It's it's an inseparable heart and action and mind connection. You yeah. know, you can't. It it doesn't just happen because you go right. through the motions. It, there has to be relationship behind it. Yeah, I love this quote. Did you come up with this quote directed? At that no, worship no, no, is. I didn't, I didn't. I think we. I don't know who says this, um, but there's a quote about worship that says, "Worship is directed at God, mediated through Christ, and participated in uh, through the Spirit." And I think that that's just a wonderful description of what it is. The object of my worship is God, God the Father, God the Father, right? Yeah. And it's made possible by God the Son. Mm-hmm. Um, he says that I'm it's at I'm at the right hand. I'm I'm sitting there. I've made it possible for you through mm-hmm. my death, burial, life, and resurrection. And I think about Hebrews 13 in that. You know, the Bible says, "Through Him, through mm-hmm. Christ, let us continually offer up yep. a yeah. sacrifice of praise to God, yep. the mm-hmm. fruit of our lips." And then he tells us again to not neglect doing good deeds. So it is, it's, it's directed mm-hmm. at the father because we'll see that here in a minute. We're going to take some time to look at John four and there in John four, we also see that our worship is directed to God, the father. And it's participated in through the spirit, yeah. the mm-hmm. Holy spirit of God who has been given to us. And I think that that's just a wonderful, like capstone to what is worship, you know? Yeah, so let's take a moment here and go to the book of John and look at John chapter 4, because this is Jesus' encounter uh, with the woman at the well. And in John 4, is there's so many things going on in that passage, but really the one thing that is is coming center stage is in verses 23 and 24, uh, where, where Jesus confronts this lady uh, with the truth about who he is, mm-hmm. and he tells her that the hour is coming and is now here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. And God is a spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. Now, when, when I read that verse, you know, some of the first things that just jump off the page at me is that Jesus tells the woman that there is a time that is now here when true worshipers, and if Jesus says there's true worshipers, then that must also mean there's what? False, false worshipers. Yeah, there's false worshipers. There's, you know, and, and there's a bunch of different types of false worship. I mean, we can think about some of those, uh, whether it's, you know, idolatrous worship or hypocritical worship. I mean, there's all these different things that are not true worship that Jesus describes. But Jesus says that true worship will worship who? The Father. The, the Father. Father. God the, the Father. Father. So, you know, when we worship, you know, I think this is just helpful. This is just a side note, but I think it's helpful to think about when we worship, well, who is our, wor- what is, 
where is our worship directed? It's it's directed to the Father. It's 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 to God the Father, and and we worship the Father in spirit uh, and in truth. And 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 that 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 is so tr- critical to think about. What does it mean to worship? I mean, what does it mean to worship in spirit and in truth? I mean, I believe that. It- I believe that when he says in spirit and in truth, he's talking about in the correct way, but also through the correct means. Oh, and that's, good. Um, that's a good way to say he it. even says, he even says up above this, that neither in this Mount nor in Jerusalem will they worship in the correct way, right up above those verses. And I think that you're getting into the area now of, yes, your worship has to be directed at God, but Christ Jesus, the Messiah in this passage makes a great point of, you have to have the correct means as well, right. like the correct object. There's also false worship that happens by people who quote unquote worship God, the father, because he says neither in Jerusalem will they do it because salvation way, right. is from the Jews. Mm-hmm. It's through, he's literally he's saying it's through me because I mean, she's going to sure. reference him as the Messiah in a verse after this. But, I mean, we could go back and look at the old Testament and see numerous ways that the mm-hmm. children of Israel did that, whether it was the yes. golden calf there mm-hmm. at the bottom of the mountain or, um, different places mm-hmm. in the book of Kings and places where they're setting up these high places and they're saying they're worshiping Jehovah. They're saying they're worshiping God, the father, but they're not directed that maybe they're directing it to him, but they're not doing it in the right it's way. It's not in the right way. And right. so you just as, just as crucial as the correct object of worship, there's also a correct means and way of worship. And this is through what Jesus Christ has done to us. He mm-hmm. presents that in this passage. And then also it's and in the pres- spirit. Yeah, exactly. And he presents it in that passage through himself. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, we didn't read the verse, but when Jesus tells the woman that he can offer her living water, yep. well, what is he talking about? He's talking about himself, mm-hmm. that through him, uh, that she can have this living water and experience the joy and the fulfillment of worshiping the father and worshiping him in spirit and in truth, because the Bible says God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. So let's just take a moment here and just kind of segue a bit and move from talking about, okay, what is worship in its essence? And I think we've kind of come to what the Bible would affirm that it's something that takes place within our heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's something that we, uh, is, is in our heart and is moved toward God. And, um, and that, that we, we just don't honor God with our lips or our actions, but but it's actually something taking place within our heart of seeing him as incredibly valuable and more valuable than us and that he is worth more and we are worth less. And it's moved in response uh, to God the Father uh, through Christ, and it's made possible by the Spirit of God. Mm-hmm. But let's let's kind of segue a moment and then just talk about, okay, well, how do we see that then playing out? in more public settings or specifically kind of in corporate worship. Yeah, we kind of we kind of tried to hit the tip of the iceberg in our um, opening minutes of the podcast today, but I think we should just really hit head on. Where does worship happen? We said that it's both, but like, I think we need to hit, de- I think we clearly need to hit on this because this is such a big um, topic to, in today's world and discussion of Christianity, quote unquote, mm-hmm. that 
I can worship at home or I can worship at church. And I think we just need to hit head on. Yeah, Where do does worship happen? And is it acceptable to say I can worship in private? Yeah. So I want to, I want to answer that question, but I want to do it with a question. All right. I'm going to, I'm oh, going no. <laughs> to give you guys a quote and I want you all to think about it. Okay. Um, A.W. Tozer. Y'all know who that is? Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, A.W. Tozer. A beast. Yeah. <laughs> he, he He's a beast. Legend. Great Theological writings. beast. Great writings. If, if you want to find a great book, find a book by A.W. Tozer. He has a book on worship though. And, in his book, he makes this statement. Now, I want to say the statement, then I want you to think about what it, what is he really hitting at. He says that worship is the missing jewel in the modern church. Hmm. That worship is the missing jewel in the modern church. And he's referring to biblical and heartfelt worship is what he's talking about there. But what is he hitting at? I mean, just right off, I think, of like jewels and how generally they're hidden right and how he's trying to say that like true worship worship at what as the bible describes it is something that is completely hidden or lost and it's the most valuable thing but it's it's hidden yeah in the context he's talking about a crown and talking about like um something that the end of the church would wear Mm -hmm. and he's like but the missing jewel in that Mm -hmm. is is worship i think so much of what in I'm, you know, I can only really speak of the American church because that's, that's where we, you know, that's where we're, that's, that's where we're yeah. all at. Yeah. Um, but it has, worship has been watered down to just simply showing up and singing a song. And so, of course, like, it's not the jewel of our, of our, you know, our actions and our living as the church because it's, I don't know. There's so much missing when all worship is, is you just, you come and sing and like, that's all you have to do. There's no, I think it's lacking reverence, um, lacking a true understanding of like, okay, this, this worship is, you know, it's, it's every part of our being as Christians. It's not just something we do on a Sunday. Um, when you say lacking reverence, can we can we talk about that? Yeah, because I think that's yeah, yeah. That was well, one thing that I thought about. It's funny. I was I was with a friend this this weekend, and we were talking about music. We were listening to some worship um, music before we um, watched, you know, online church. So we'll get into that, I'm sure, because you know we had to oh, do that me. this weekend. Trust me, we are going to get um, into that. But we were just talking <laughs> no about fear. yeah. I was talking about how cool it was to sometimes find off the beaten path worship songs and I use that term loosely but my friend was like oh yeah I um one of my youth leaders one time she called those uh Jesus is my boyfriend songs <laughs> because there's such a there's mm-hmm. such a diminished reverence that if you you could sing the song and not know who you're singing it about exactly yeah. yeah and so just even in the way our and I know I just said worship is not only music but even in the way our music is it's become so I don't even know if I have the right word to describe it. And it's not to say Lacking that depth. Yeah, and, and and it's we're talking about Jesus Christ, the son of the living God, you know, the conqueror of all, the lamb mm-hmm. who was slain. We're talking about him like we're we're talking about just another person, which it, Jesus wants, he is our friend, you know, he's a he's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. But he's also so much more than just somebody else that we're talking about, you know? Well, he deserves all of, if worship is truly worship, he deserves every bit of worth that we can give, right? The, yeah. Bi- the Bible describes, I think one thing that has really confronted me recently is how I present salvation to people. Justification, when I say mm-hmm. salvation is what I'm talking about, but the gospel and it's nut nutshell kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Like if I just boil it down, how do I present it? And I think sometimes we lack 
in our modern Christianity, the presentation of the gospel of how Jesus and his disciples would present it. Mm. If you, yes, gospel, the gospel justification is grace. It's through grace by, or by grace through faith, excuse me. And so we're saved by his grace through faith, but also in order to truly have that act of faith, I must give up everything because of the worth of mm-hmm. Jesus Christ, right? Yeah. And I think that's the foundation of worship because if if the gospel that I believe in is me giving up everything, then Jesus truly will get all the worth. But seeing yeah. that that is worth more. Uh-huh. But it doesn't happen like that in our modern right. culture. And I think it's because there's a gospel problem. Well, there's a the problem with the foundation. And it's also the consumerism the mis- of our culture mm-hmm. that's yeah. just, well, let me add Christ to. Exactly. Let, yeah, let me add Christ to what and I then have. At, at that, you know, that's. So I get Jesus and something. And mm-hmm. at the bottom of it, we're still worshiping ourselves yeah. with our lives instead of worshiping Christ. Sure. And I think that that shows up with the the extreme lack of public worship and corporate worship. And it's almost like people are willing to ignore the verses (laughs) in scripture that say gather together and that this is the orthodox. This is the correct, the handed down way of doing things. Um, They're just willing to ignore it. I looked up some statistics this week and uh, Pew Forum is a research group, the Pew Group. And uh, they said back in, I think it was about 2018, 2019 was the last one that they did. But uh, about 65% of uh, American adults would say that they were uh, Christian. Now, I know mm-hmm. that those stats are skewed, and we won't get into all that today of like, what is a Christian, what's not. That's a completely different discussion. Now, that is down by 12 percentage points from their last study. But what really got me was, so 65% say they're Christian. Mm-hmm. 45% of American adults uh, would say that they had attended church at least once in the past month. Now, not more than once, Mm -hmm. it's at least once. And so out of that, there's probably a lot that just did it once. And um, that's a 20% difference in people that would claim they're Christians and people that only go once a month. Now, once a month, I mean, if you think about once a month, that's 12 times a year. You, you can, uh, there's, there's requirements for social clubs (laughs) that are bigger than that. There's requirements for stuff that's way smaller of a deal than Christianity and a church than, than 12 times a year. Right. And so like what in the world, there's a huge difference between people saying, yeah, I'm a Christian. Yeah. I worship Jesus and people who actually look in his word and see the need for private and corporate worship. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's a big, yeah. a big tell of where people's hearts are. Well, yeah, even just I think, saying like once a month or even like, you know, I think the statistic is like two times a month makes you like an average or mm-hmm. faithful attender of 50%. a local church. Yeah. Which like on the, on the outside of that, you're like, oh yeah, two times a month. That's I mean, pretty that's pretty good, good man. Pretty you're good. like, you're, you're there, you're, you're there. But then it's like, well, hold on. Think about that as a year. Like 24 times, if, if you, but if you told somebody like, Hey, I attend church a quarter of the year, like we'd be like, well, do you even go? Yeah. But, but, <laughs> but to say, well, I go once a month. People are like, Oh, that's pretty good. You know, yeah. you, you go once a month, but yeah. I think it is in how we think about it like well, that. And I think I have a, I have a question that kind of stems from that. And this whole aspect of how yeah. church has changed this year, how we do like church services, mm-hmm. but why, you know, it, we've just discussed a little bit, but why is public and corporate worship a necessary aspect of our faith. Let me say that again. I don't know if I caught all that. <laughs> why Why is public or corporate worship a necessary aspect of our faith? 
Yeah, well, one, it's commanded. <laughs> I mean, that's number <laughs> I think, one. That's a so pretty big first, deal. First, we start there, right? It is commanded. Um, but then secondly, I would say um, it is through those times where the church gathers publicly that they are affirming together some realities of what it means to be in Christ. And, you know, specifically, you know, we'll get into this because we're going to talk about this next week and the week after, and we'll talk about the ordinances of the church, but specifically even in terms of baptism or in the Lord's Supper, uh, those are things that are visible expressions that happen collectively uh, when the church gathers. And so um, I think for one, it's commanded, but then secondly, there is a formative aspect of worshiping corporately. Um, you know, I think when we think about private worship, we're talking about a person's heart before the Lord, mm -hmm. just day to day in the private moments of their life. And the Bible tells us in, in, in 1 Corinthians that whatsoever we do, whether mm -hmm. we eat or drink, let it all be done to the glory of God, to his worth. Yeah. So every aspect of our life should be worshiping. Um, we should go throughout our entire day with a heart directed to the Lord and all of the activities that we're doing in a way of worship. But I think when we get together with the church corporately, it is a place where we are not only affirming truth together, but we are also being challenged. Um, and there is a formative aspect of it. Let me, I, I think a quote that really helps to talk about what does public worship look like is a article I came across a couple of years ago by Ligon Duncan. And mm -hmm. in that, he just helps really dis describe in a very succinct way what biblically directed public worship is. What does it look like? And uh, and he describes five things. And, and, and if you put it into a quote, it's so easy to think about, okay, well, this is what public worship is. It is, it is uh, reading the Bible, preaching the Bible, praying the Bible, singing the Bible, and seeing the Bible. And when he says seeing the Bible, he's really talking about the ordinances of the church mm -hmm. of baptism and the Lord's Supper. And when you think about that, you, you break it down. And, and what you begin to see is that each one of those things, read the Bible, preach the Bible, pray the Bible, sing the Bible, see the Bible, all have what in them? The Bible. The Bible. There you go. All right, yeah. <laughs> the Bible. The Bible. And what is it? He's, he's, he's directing us to the centrality of the Word of God mm -hmm. and that it's the word of God that brings us together. I mean, I think about it like the word of God is the glue. I mean, that is, that that's is good. Yeah, no, but that, that's what brings us together. It, it, if we're, if we're coming together around any other thing, then, then, then it's wrong. We should be coming together around the word of God and our worship in those moments. And once again, is directed to God through Christ and it's participated in the spirit of God. And so when we, when we think about the centrality of the word, I mean, you see that there in, in Ezra, you know, as he comes and he brings the book of the law and as mm -hmm. all the congregation, all the assembly gathers and from morning until midday. And as he stands and all he did was read the Bible mm -hmm. and they, and they explained its sense. And so there's this sense that when we come together in corporate worship, we're coming under the authority of the word of God. And, um, and so let's kind of work through each one of those. I mean, why, why is it important to read the Bible in public worship? Well, I think if, I mean, it's just like what you were saying, that's, that's our, our unifying factor. And that is what we're putting our authority under. So if we're, if we're here to worship 
it's like if you, you can't worship someone you don't know. Mm. And so how do we know God? It's we know him through the word that he left us, that he intended for us to find him in. Right. So reading it out loud and in those public corporate gatherings, that's that's where we affirm who God is. Where you, know, we, you know, yeah, that's right. Yeah. You know, we, we, we always read scripture at our church, but um, I found it really exciting the last few months. What have you guys thought about that? This is like a side thing. We've been, we've been on Sunday mornings reading through the book of Psalms as a congregation, and we've been doing it in a responsive reading. So someone's leading us and then the congregation is, is reading responsively in odd verses. But what have you guys uh, thought oh, about I love that? I love it. I, it's great. Oh, I just wish we'd been doing this for a couple of years now. It's, like, yeah. it's, it's amazing though, how, how it's just it, the, like you just you see the power of scripture in in a different way when you're all reading it out loud together. And then at the end, um, at the church we serve, we affirm that like, this is the word of the Lord. And then the congregation says, thanks be to God. And it is. It's just one aspe- aspect of worship, I believe, is is gratitude and thanksgiving. And we're just thanking the Lord that this is his word that he has left us. And it's, it's such an amazing part of worship, I think. Yeah, I think of like um, a verse over in uh, it's First Timothy 3, where it talks about the church as the pillar and the ground of truth. And it's just like, if it's the pillar and ground of truth, then the truth, God's word, <laughs> should probably be a part of the service, yeah. right? And the reading of it. Like, how how often do we kind of discount God's word by not giving it the worth um, that he gives time. it, right? <laughs> and so we're going to sing like 50 songs, which don't get me wrong. I think singing should be a part of your worship and it should be a really good part of your worship. But reading God's word should most definitely take a very prominent spot in your service because mm-hmm. it's through his word that we are we are changed, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's how our minds are renewed. It's how we uh, see his will, his right? The Bible says, you know, quicken me, Lord, mm-hmm. according to your word. Yeah. God's word brings life. And so, you know, that quote by Ligon Duncan in that article, what he's doing is he's, he's, he's directing us to the centrality of the word of God in having the Bible read publicly in the preaching of God's word and the explaining of God's word, but then also seeing it matched with this praise mm-hmm. of, of ascribing to God this worth through prayer yeah. and through singing. And then we see the Bible and we, we see it in the way that it, it, we see what grace has done in our life through things like baptism and through the Lord's table. And I would even add to that, even things like seeing the Bible through our offering, through mm-hmm. giving and, and being moved uh, from our heart into action mm-hmm. uh, in response to God in worship. Yeah, that's so good. And I, I just would like to know, because I always love hearing uh, what people's favorite, you know, songs are or their favorite worship leaders or things. Um, so what currently or, you know, of all time, you can encompass that. What are your favorite worship songs or your favorite, you know, groups that have produced worship music? Oh, man, if you ask me, and I, I'm a big Sovereign Grace guy. I listen yeah. to a lot of Sovereign Grace. <laughs> I, I was like, do you listen to answer. anything else other than Sovereign Grace? <laughs> I know I do. I listen to a lot of their music, but I do think I appreciate their music because the depth of doctrine and, Mm -hmm. you know, I I think, you know, it's in, I I don't listen to only that music. I do listen to other types of music. So people are like, what kind of music do you listen to? (laughs) But I, you know, when I, I think about worship music, it's, it's something like you were talking about Morgan that should instantly direct us to the Lord. Yeah. 
You know, and I think you think about some of the old hymns, hymns that have stuck around the church for decades and centuries. Mm-hmm. You know, often those hymns have stuck around because of the depth of rich understanding of of God, but just even the way they direct us uh, mm-hmm. to Him. You know, crown Him with many crowns. You know, it's just it's just this all these other different types of hymns. I I think you know. So when we think about the songs that sometimes last <laughs> through the church, I think they 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 weather the storm of the years yeah. in a sense because of the rich theology that they have about God. And and it doesn't matter if they were sung in the 1850s or now they're sung in 2000s. I mean, it, we as God's people resonate with the truth of that. Yeah. And because feeling is so subjective and, and feeling, you know, we've been even in our own church here, we've been really challenging us as a congregation as we come into worship at 1030 on Sunday morning that that we begin the service with a call to worship and, and uh, an exalting of God and who he is. And from the very onset of the service, it's easy for so many other things to want to take that beginning time, whether it is an announcement or just an update or just anything that's happening, you know, in the life of the church. But I think we as God's people, as we have come together, he is the reason why we've gathered. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that should be center stage in um, in all of our worship. Yeah. yeah. I kind of would not uh, attribute myself to a group just because I think Steve groups put out, they put out good, <laughs> some people put out good music, some people don't, and some people make a hit on one song Steve and the next song is terrible. Music. I will yeah. say that. Um, the song that I'm jiving with right now is called Redeemed by the Blood of the Lamb by People and Ooh, Songs. Yes, that's and a good it's an one. absolute stellar song. Uh, but I go back to what Aaron said, it's true. And that's why I would not say that I would attribute to this group or that group just mm-hmm. because I've heard certain groups and they put out really good music and then it's like their next album. You're like, what is happening? did you look in God's word for that song or did you just like pull that out of thin air? You're <laughs> like, what is happening? And um, I think, I think Aaron's spot on you. When you look at music, it's what makes the most about God mm-hmm. in a correct and truthful way. Yeah. And so, but that also in, impacts our life right. in, in our own experience. Most definitely. I came across a song the other day. I don't even know if we're allowed to. Are we allowed to name names of songs on the podcast? How does well, I mean, this work? As long as you're not, not playing I, them. Yeah, I guess not. It's there's, not like we're song, rolling in cash because we're naming nope. some names. I think it's a Sovereign Grace song. Now, it may not be a Sovereign Grace song, and I'll just clarify that. But the, it just came out recently, and the title of the song is. Oh, come all ye unfaithful. Oh. And when I first <laughs> saw that come through my newsfeed, I was like, what is this a parody on the song of like, a come all ye faithful? And then you start, I was like, I don't think I'm going to like that. Like, I didn't know what to expect. And I listened to it. But then it's like, you know what? The song is just really hitting on the fact that we are broken and hmm. unfaithful people. Mm-hmm. And yet the Bible calls us to faithfulness. Yeah. I understand mm-hmm. that. But I think that's what it's just, it's what it's, it's a Christmas song about Christ and songs? talking about how, but so, but that, but I say that because you know, they're within songs they're they, they resonate with our mm-hmm. feelings. They, yeah. they, they tap into our emotions, but what it should do is it should direct us once again, a worship song to the Lord. Music's yeah. powerful and it can challenge. It should challenge. If you're listening to the correct type of worship music when you're worshiping, and I'm not saying that, as a Christian, you have to only listen to <laughs> worship. There right. are people who I know who are like, man, you got to listen to a worship song every day of your life. And if you ever listen, I'm not saying that, but I am saying when you are seeking to truly listen to worship music, 
that is making much of God, you should that if you're listening to the correct kind, it should drive you to a decision or to action. Mm -hmm. It should call you to action because it should be calling you to make much of God if it's making much of God. Right. Yeah. And I what have you been listening to? I it's just it's so cool. I love how you brought out the centrality of of the word in in songs. And that's what I think of definitely when I think of old hymns. But there's a couple of groups that I've come across recently who have turned psalms into songs or they use that as like the basis for their lyrics. So anyone who knows me knows that for the last like three months I've been talking nonstop about Mission House. They are incredible and they have their first they've released a lot of singles over the last year, but they finally have an album and they have um they have a song out of, uh, let's see, Psalm 1, now I'm going to mess it up. 143? Yeah. Mm, no. Hold on. I, I, I've got to find this. Um, it's just, it's so, it talks about, um, you know, like, uh, you have kept my feet from stumbling. What is it? Oh, my gosh, no. Anyway, Mission House, they do so much just based straight out of, um scripture and it's just so so good we're gonna leave the listener to go find it for them so. yeah okay so mission house go look it up it's psalm awesome. 116 psalm 116 thank you so much i love you lord yes yes it is just so incredible and that whole album is you can hear you can hear the word being preached through it and it does it it connects to your inner being because that is how you know we know god is through the word and it also directs it to it gets your emotions involved and then it just you're automatically praising the mm-hmm. lord and then another right. another group is called um young oceans and they did this album called voices it's just amazing it feels like old hymns that have been like revamped but it is it's just making much of god and it is so incredible so young oceans and then mission house they just the more i listen to worship music the more i want songs yeah. that yeah. sound like scripture yeah so hey if you're listening with us today and if you're listening you are listening if you're here, <laughs> uh, we, we would love for you to just uh, email the podcast at podcast at whereweland.org and let us know of some great worship music uh, that you've enjoyed and uh, if we've not heard it we'd love to be able to also uh, listen to that let's just kind of end here this morning by thinking about um, really the question of purpose what is the purpose of our public worship services? And ultimately, we would all agree that it is directed to the glory of God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that that's the crux of worship, if you want to put it that way, the, the, the nucleus, <laughs> the uh, nucleus. <laughs> if you uh, want to put it that way. But it's, it's the central part. It is glory to God's name and is making much of him and who he is and what he's done. And uh, it doesn't good. stop there, though. No, it doesn't. But but I think that's where – I mean, that's the purpose. I mean, mm-hmm. we've come together in public worship to collectively, as the body of Christ, to direct our worship to God and for His glory. And it should be in line, as we've been talking about, with His nature of who He is. Mm-hmm. It's consistent with who He is. We worship in spirit and in truth. But I think there's often some disagreement by uh, different people in the church over who a worship service yeah. is directed towards, whether it is, is it for only the believer? Are worship services for only the believer, or are they to be geared in a way to evangelize somebody who is lost? Uh, what do y'all think about it? Yes. I, <laughs> <laughs> yes, is the simple answer. I think, um, you know, it, it, there's different aspects of including both parties. So when we're all worshiping together, we're being built up as the church and edifying one another. But, you know, 
after that, after the fact, that should spur you on to go and to evangelize the lost Mm -hmm. because, you know, you're going in deeper knowledge of God. You have this relationship with him and he commands us to be, you know, go and make disciples and to be his witness. So after, you know, you've gathered together in worship, you should disperse continuing that worship to evangelize to the lost. Yeah, I I would ask. Sorry, go ahead. I didn't interrupt you. I just think when you look in scripture, I think it's very clear um, that worship it will affect the lost and it should affect the lost, but the primary participants in worship are not the lost. Now, when you say it'll affect the lost, help me explain what you mean. Meaning by that. I think that if there, uh, so worship, so Hebrews ten twenty five says not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another so much as you see the day approaching this idea of we are gathering together ourselves. That's a, that's but, a word that's going to be right. pointing towards a certain type of people. So when you gather together, the primary participants are Christians. However, lost people will be there. I think you just have to understand that at every worship service, yes, even in the church membership, there might be someone who is not a true believer. We do not know the hearts of They might be there others. a part of the visible church, but they may yeah, not be a part of the church. Exactly. Church. Yeah. Exactly. They might be at the church service. And that goes back to language, too. I put in there a note of like, how often do we, we refer to, um, how, how often do we refer to as like, we're going to go to church as far as we're a part of the church, right? And so we're mm-hmm. with the church. We're not at church. But when we're with the church, there will be lost people there. And I believe God God speaks through his word and his Holy Spirit. And it says that he will draw those to himself through his Holy Spirit, right? And so I think worship will affect the lost. However, if you do look in scripture, the primary participants in worship will always be the church. So would that be who the service is directed towards in the sense of? I would argue from scripture, specifically from Acts, that yes, it would Mm -hmm. be specifically targeting edification and exhorting of believers. However, it should never. And that's kind of ed- a big word for some people. Edification. Yeah. This the lifting that. up of. Yeah, right. Sure. That's what it means to lift up to it. To build up. It's a build part up. of like exhort, encourage, and it kind of has like all some of these different. Into it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I think I think too often you go to church and you go to a church, right? The gathering of people, and they become so consumed with how do we get the lost here that they forget that they're supposed to be edifying and lifting up the believers that Mm -hmm. are there. Yes, we should always be connecting back to the gospel and what is, what does this mean in the overarching story of the Bible and how can your life be changed by Jesus Christ? Yes. Every week. Sure. We should be stating that, Mm -hmm. but not at the sacrifice of the building up of the believers who are the church who are there. Um, I just think of here at Catawba, yeah. How many people have been saved at a gathering of the church versus yeah, no, no, yeah. in their home? Generally, it's yeah. always in their home and out and about. Uh, yeah. Why is that? Well, because church is the gathering of believers to be sent and to share, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. I just know in my own personal experience, and as we've been here, and I've pastored here like now seven years, it's, I thinking back over those years, there has probably been less and, and maybe less than a handful or two handfuls of people that have actually walk the aisle and have trusted Christ in a service. But I can think of dozens of people who have trusted Christ in their home or 
um, or even in at, at a store, even in the office yeah, after yeah. after a service, somebody mm-hmm. comes right. up to you and says, "You know that service, that's right. that gathering, I wasn't ready, but now I want to ask some questions." Yeah. Which right. that's what it or should be. Or like the be. smaller group settings on a Wednesday right. night, yeah. you know? With, exactly. Mm-hmm. I think it begins though with once again the the focus of what is being directed toward. Because if yeah. we if we if we direct a service towards just people, then we're going to come away with man centered um, need. And, Mm -hmm. and, but, and, but if we come away with, but if we begin that time, uh, focused upon the Lord and the gospel and the word of God and what God, who God is and what he calls us to, uh, it will radically change the way we gather to worship. Thank you for listening to Where We Land, Christ, Culture, and the Church. Hey, we hope you've enjoyed the podcast today, and we just want to let you know that Where We Land can be found on a number of different platforms. And so you have found this uh, maybe on the website or on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or Spotify, but we would love for you to go to Apple Podcasts where you can go and rate and review Where We Land and uh, let us know what you've thought about the podcast. And then also, uh, we would encourage you to find us on social media. Uh, We're currently on Facebook, and on Facebook, you can see regular posts and uh, episodes and get some extra information about some things that are happening uh, with the Where We Land team. So uh, we hope you'll check out those things and then join us here next week uh, for another episode where we'll be considering baptism. Baptism.